Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond, Global Director of Research at Valtech, a global digital agency focused on strategy and transformation in retail, as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. This episode of Rethink Retail, sponsored by Valtech, where experiences are engineered. Hi, welcome to another episode of Rethink Retail. Today's guest is Barka Saxena. Barka, it's a pleasure to have you join the show today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Barka serves as Chief Data Officer at Poshmark, a leading social commerce marketplace for fashion apparel and accessories. Barka, will you first describe a bit more about yourself and how you became the Chief Data Officer at Poshmark and what you do in your role? Absolutely. I'm Chief Data Officer at Poshmark. I have been here for five plus years. Uh, I started in the company when we were a small, like 35 people company, and I was the first one to join in the data function and have spent last almost six years in developing the data function. And the charter of this function is to create the maximum value from the data for Poshmark and our amazing community. My team includes the data science, machine learning, data tools and technology, as well as the data management. And my team essentially just uses the different types of data technologies to build a variety of data products ranging from the insights to machine learning models to deliver faster and higher ROI for business teams across the company from the user acquisition to marketing, to product, to operations, to working with the finance and even our CEO. And again, just making sure that we are using the data in the best possible way to continue to deliver tremendous value to our community. And I have been in the data space for, I mean, my entire career. I started in this data field when it wasn't such a hot field. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started my journey in uh, financial technology. And after spending almost 12 years in fintech and digital advertising, I was looking for this next big challenge. And and I was thinking about like, hey, I want to do something in the mobile, social, or maybe the e-commerce space. And uh, Poshmark was just the perfect combination of all the three. But to be honest, what drove me to Poshmark was it's the people I met, all the co-founders, and it just felt like the company which will give me the intellectual satisfaction of doing something new, as well as I will work with the people who are just this, this fun team. And five plus years have gone by and I'm still having as much fun. Certainly. And that sounds like quite the journey, 12 years in fintech and then you know, joining Poshmark just a couple years after it launched in 2011. And what are some highlights of working with such a fast growth company like Poshmark, especially from the data side of things? Yep. Yeah. And there's so many uh, fun memories. I mean, in six years, we have seen like tenfold growth to wow. 50 million users and 7 million sellers. I mean, if I look back, you know, one thing is in the fast moving startup, sometimes you don't even realize the milestones you are hitting because you are just moving really fast. But when you look back, I mean, think of it, I had joined this small company with like 35 to 40 people. And we had a goal of building this resale marketplace for mobile when mobile was really nascent. It was just starting up. Mm-hmm. And Manish and our founding team believed, and of course, I bought in that belief was that hey, the shopping is inherently social. So if we brought that social aspect to the shopping, it should have an impact. And from there, if you think of it, like from that modest goal to 
we have pioneered a new category of social commerce and our community has uh, just people will find the social commerce very very interesting and what mm-hmm. our community and and how it is so engaged is spending 23 to 27 minutes per day it basically just had solidified that uh, the idea our uh, founders had was correct uh, people enjoy the social commerce a lot more than just buying stuff and not having those social connections absolutely and is that still the average time you're seeing today is people are spending 23 to 27 minutes is that in your app or just in general? In Poshmark, people are spending that much time. Uh, mm-hmm. And that 23 to 27 minutes goes, a lot of it is in the social interactions people are doing in the platform. And which is very, I mean, that's a significant amount of time. But I think the reason people do it is because it's not just the transactions. There are relationships being built in the platform. Like we have people who started their friendships at Poshmark. Now they go and they meet offline like they they travel they fly to meet each other so Poshmark has really brought that social connections back to the shopping and it is something I mean if I think of my childhood that's how I remember the shopping to be like we will go to the same set of shops and we will they will know our entire history we will know those shoppers and they were that was a lot more fun because it wasn't just about engaging in a transaction you were meeting people to build these social connections and I think Poshmark has done a phenomenal job of bringing that social back to the commerce. I mean, people are inherently social. And I think Mm -hmm. we just made the commerce a lot more fun. Absolutely. And it sounds like it's a pillar of Poshmark's brand is the community aspect. Yep. And that's why we are so proud. I mean, you were asking me about the data perspective, the milestones, right? In last five plus years, I have the memories of pinging the entire team when we were hitting the milestones on like, hey, when we did our first 100K, first 200K, first million, and similarly from the users. But the speed at which the milestones come is just amazing. Just in September, we released a report that we have distributed our sellers $2 billion. Wow. One billion of that happened in just within just last year. Oh my gosh. So the speed at which we are able to uh, get from milestones to milestone and the success we are delivering to our community is, it's very satisfying. I mean, uh, I'm very proud of working for a company which is creating so much economic opportunity for such a large community. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely in line with some of the reports we're seeing about the trend of the secondhand market uh, with stats that it will reach 51 billion in just five years. Is that, why do you think secondhand is becoming so popular? I would say there are multiple reasons. Uh, First one, I would say the the stigma around the whole uh, resale in the second hand is is reducing as people are becoming more conscious about the sustainability and and there are platforms like Poshmark emerging where you can trust the things you will buy. One other thing I noticed definitely at Poshmark, the amount of inventory which you get exposed to because it's curated by people, that is just vast. Like you cannot go to any shop, any store and find that variety of was inventory as you will find at Poshmark. Mm-hmm. Curation at scale almost. Exactly. And uh, there is a, at least in the marketplace, uh, like the way the Poshmark has built, like the community driven marketplace, the social marketplace, there is a lot of personal experience people get, right? So when you are buying and selling these things, it's not that you are just buying this used item and you don't know where it came from. You're buying these things from people. And every item has a story and you get to hear and feel and understand those stories as when you are buying and selling from the real people. 
So I think bringing that people aspect to resale has also helped just taking the resale to the next level. Again, the trust also, which gets delivered by the platforms like Poshmark and the protection, right? When you buy things, the buyers are protected from the item will be what you are buying. Or when you buy luxury items, we provide the authentication services so you can feel at peace that I'm buying a good quality thing. Right. Versus off, you know, Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or some of the older channels that people used to resell in online. So, you know, you mentioned sustainability, curation at scale, community and social aspects, and then the trust. So those are all really good reasons, I think, uh, why resale is growing at such a crazy pace, like you mentioned, a billion dollars in just 2019 on Poshmark. So what are some of, um, you know, the challenges or pain points that you help Poshmark solve early on from a data perspective? Was it more user experience focused? I mean, there are many. And just for the reason yeah. <laughs> I had joined the startup, right? So we were still, I mean, I was the first person to show up in the data world. Uh, so, but I will take a few examples. So the first one will be, which I'm sure is a very classic of any startup company. When I joined Poshmark, uh, we didn't have that much data because part of the excitement of my role was to actually get the whole data infrastructure built. Mm-hmm. However, the whatever the data we had, there was a lot of confusion on it. So Poshmark is a very data-driven company, which means every decision gets made based on the data. So you go to these meetings in those early days, people will come in, but they all have pulled their own set of the data, which they are interpreting in their own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, same metric can be defined by three different ways by three different people. And the whole meeting will just get focused on just trying to align on what is this metric and how are you analyzing the trends, which is not very efficient. So the very first project which I engaged on was, we call it a the project Newt, which really comes from the Harry Potter, if you are into the Harry Potter, which basically means nastily exhausting wizard test. And mm-hmm. what we did in that project was, I looked at across all the businesses and what are the key metrics, gave them a standard definition, coded them up in our data systems, and provided the reporting and the visualization, et cetera, to make it a standard approach for how the data should be looked at. And that had such a phenomenal impact in making our meetings and the decision-making so efficient, which we really needed because every hour counts in the startup world. And that product we are still using because we have more and more data, but the, the need for standardizing and making sure that everybody is looking at the data in the same standardized way, it has a lot of value. So meeting focus on, you look at the data and then meeting focuses on the strategy of what we are trying to do as opposed to just arguing on the data. Sure. So increasing efficiency, like you said, and that project sounds like a huge undertaking. I've heard some people say just the data cleaning and and organizing aspects of data science takes 80% of the time sometimes. So Yeah, definitely. And the fact that you're still using it today is a testament to your skill in that area. So that's really cool to hear, uh, especially the visualization part. And, you know, I love asking people from the data world this question, because I think your view is a bit different than maybe people from, you know, the marketing side or the product side. Do you see personalization, especially when it comes to the resale market as something that's even possible? Absolutely. And we have invested tremendously in that personalization. However, with a, I would say a little bit twist because our personalization also has the personal aspect to it. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not just the data driven based on here what you have shopped. The social is such a crucial part of that personalization that when we, in our different parts of our platform and experience, we have used personalization in different ways. So for example, the very first place where we do the personalization is the people matching. So we are the social commerce platform. So when you come to the Poshmark and even when you are here, every day we are recommending you the people you should connect mm, with. Okay. So we use a personalization approach to make sure we are connecting you with the people who we think you can build a meaningful connection. Two of you have a some common themes around the fashion and the style and different things you might like. And we use, of course, the footprint of the data you are leaving in the platform as well as historical data we have. But we make that recommendation of the people very personal to you. Similarly, in our feed as well as the shopping, like when you are searching for item, you are browsing, or we send you these emails to recommend people and recommend items, we use personalization to make sure that we are delivering you the content which is uh, very unique to you. But even in those algorithms, the social connections you have made in the platform play a huge role to make sure that we are, we are exposing you to the content which resonates with you, not just from the commerce perspective, but again, we are very focused on building the social connections in the platform. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's probably, uh, we could say, one of the competitive advantages of Poshmark is the social platform you've built as a foundation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I do think that we, are, we exist because of our community. And these social connections are just strengthening this community. Like we do all these uh, events, uh, like there's a Posh Fest once a year conference and we do these Posh parties multiple times where we people actually travel and these are the in-person meetings and people, uh, in-person events. So people meet each other. And it's just amazing to see how people really thrive in those social connections and they're even helping out each other. So the sellers in our platform, theoretically they can be competitive. But every time I have witnessed a conversation, I have found them to be helping out each other. Mm -hmm. And you allow for some customization, too, from the seller's point of view um, with branding and all those opportunities for the store. Absolutely. And similarly, the personalization tools which we have offered to our sellers so that they can actually have their own personal connections built. So the sellers have tools where, like, let's say there are buyers who are connected to them. They can make them like the public or the private the discounts or offer them different things to, to close the deal. So we do the personalization, but we also offer these tools our, to our sellers so they can actually offer a more a personal service to the buyers. So it sounds like personalization from both sides, the seller platform, and then also the buyers with the people matching that you do on the back end, and then also the, the emails you send based on searches they've made and, and their feeds. We do have the standard recommendation, which you hear, like the Every day, I mean, we are sending out these emails where emails and the push notifications, which we call the just picked for you. That's the classic uh, recommendation engine. Mm -hmm. ML driven, where based on your interaction with the platform, we pick a certain items, which we think that will be interesting to you. Mm -hmm. So your recommendation models... And I'm guessing, are those proprietary? Yes, we yeah. have built them internally. And and I think the main reason is because every algorithm we have built, it has a very strong component of the social. And that is so unique to Poshmark that uh, we 
can't use off the shelf. I mean, we use them as a starting point, but then we have to customize it because the social is something which is so critical to our platform that we have to customize any algorithms to fit it for what Poshmark is. Mm-hmm. And it's it seems like Poshmark was a bit ahead of their time, launching in 2011 to fast forward, we're almost in the new decade. Uh, so having those recommendation models and other custom models you've built which are learning over time and have the social component makes you know it very strong it sounds like yep yeah there are so many things uh, i i mean i would think that we have pioneered in uh, so many ways like i remember in my uh, early days on the user acquisition side right like any other startup we spend a uh, enough energy and the resources in in acquiring new users and just the standard definitions of the CAC to LTV didn't work for Poshmark because our users do not give us the value just because you make the purchases. When you create listings in the platform that has value, when you share items that has value, when you interact with each other that has a value. So in early on, we worked on coming up with a more holistic definition of how we should be measuring the value of a user. And the one interesting thing which uh, I learned as we were looking at those users and the value and and how those cohorts uh, shape over time, it was so interesting to see that how the cohort uh, curves looked so different for Poshmark as compared to, I would say, a traditional e-commerce company or the traditional social companies. Because what happens is that there's a social or commerce working together, our user cohorts join. And yes, like any other cohort, there's some decay in the beginning. But as we are bringing the new users in the platform, as well as enabling the newer connections among existing users, we will see the user cohorts rejuvenating. That is something very unique. And you don't find that often, that the cohorts do grow over time. And in the beginning, it took us, because you know we, we were pioneering the social commerce, but it took us some time before we exactly understood how to measure and define it from the data perspective. So in the beginning, we just used to call it Poshmark love effect because that got to be it, right? That people are just so happy and engaged in the platform that we see this rejuvenation and, and growth of older user cohorts. Now, of course, from the data perspective, we have mapped the social connections and we understand how the cohorts who go through the social and the commerce journey together behave over time. But all that has been a very exciting work. But another example of how any concept we take, we have to modify it and customize to the uniqueness of Poshmark. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you, you called it the Poshmark love effect at first before you um, mapped out basically how the cohort or the cluster grew over time. We are all about love. Uh, the love is also one of our core values. Like uh, one of the four core values is uh, the first one is lead with love. So we are all about love, which makes sense because this is the company who is bringing the love and the social back to commerce. Mm-hmm. And it also ties in, you know, with uh, pre-loved items, right? Because that's a pretty common phrase when it comes to the resale market as well. I know you guys also have um, some luxury items and they're verified on your end before they're sent to consumers. And do you think the luxury market is the demand for discount luxury goods will grow based on the data that you guys are seeing? Absolutely. I mean, if you think of it, luxury items just naturally have a longer life than the fashion items. So resale just is a very natural fit for that category. And uh, we have seen like the growth over year over year 
on a luxury resale market. Just like this holiday shopping, uh, just to give you an example, we saw that the Chanel earrings uh, year-over-year growth was almost 230%. Oh, wow. And the Montclair puffer jacket, they had a year-over-year growth of almost 100%. So in one year, it doubled. That's amazing. Yeah. So we are definitely seeing a growth. And it kind of also, if you make sense from the economic perspective as well, right? Uh, the availability of the platforms like Poshmark, where you can buy a luxury item with peace of mind, it has made luxury affordable to a larger population. So people are able to buy that very expensive item at a discounted price, but they still know that, hey, it's, it's a good quality and, and it is what I'm buying. I expect the luxury market to uh, continue to go. I also think that it will eventually have the impact on even on the overall luxury. So the two things are just going to feed on each other, right? So luxury resale is growing, which is making the luxury more affordable to a larger population. But at the same time, even for the premium luxury, like the first time purchase, People will start looking at the purchase and the cost of that item by factoring in that, hey, I can resell that item back. So let's mm-hmm. say there is a $2,000 handbag. You might have hesitated in buying because, hey, I don't want to spend $2,000. It's too much. But then if you know that, hey, I can sell it back for $1,000 in the platform, your cost of ownership reduces. So which means that the demand for the luxury will go because you can get actual monetary value out of it when you are done with that item. And I think the two are just going to feed on each other. The luxury will go and along with that, the resale will grow. And because resale is growing, so I would say it's a positive uh, spiral, which is kicking off because of the options like Poshmark where you can buy luxury with peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And I love how you just described that because it makes so much sense when you break it down in that story you're telling, which is so reasonable because in the past there weren't a lot of easy ways to resell your luxury goods. You know, maybe you go to your local consignment shop or post on your social media accounts, but now it's so easy to just snap some photos and post it to Poshmark and get in connection with you guys and resell knowing that the value will be there because of the demand that's feeding into it both ways. So I love how you described that. As we're looking into the future, do you think sustainability is a trend or do you think this is something that's here to stay? In my opinion, I think it's here to stay. People are very passionate about it. And and I think people have been. It's just that now there are avenues to be able to express it and, and also engage in it economically. So, uh, I mean, if you think of it, uh, most of the fast fashion has been criticized lately, right, for the sustainability practice. And we are starting to see the traditional retailers evolving to become more sustainable. We see so many examples of these retailers exploring the partnership or trying to build their own version of the resale platform mm-hmm. um, so that they can change their positioning from like, hey, this fast fashion to sustainable fashion. I mean, Neiman Marcus invested in Fashion Pile, which is a pre-owned e-commerce company, which is focused on luxury handbags mm-hmm. and accessories. And most recently, I think just a couple of weeks ago, I think I read it, Rebecca Taylor is launching an in-house resale program. So I think there is a lot more uh, effort and the awareness. Uh, so sustainability, and I think it's a great thing. It's here to stay. I think a lot of uh, innovation will happen in just making these programs just better and better. I mean, I think that Poshmark was again just ahead of time. In mm-hmm. uh, like even when like we were not talking about sustainability, that's what Poshmark was offering. Even the fast fashion items were getting recycled at Poshmark instead of showing up in landfill. 
we are really proud of it that we were ahead of the game even in offering sustainability and again going back to what i was mentioning earlier uh, that's again one of the reason that we have our community is uh, passionate about poshmark because they have seen poshmark delivering that value you know i'm i'm a mom of three and and i hate to throw things in the garbage or like i'm done with this but not to poshmark like all these cute clothes i have they actually find a home and gets used the second time and and that is personally very satisfying and honestly i i sell it at poshmark not honestly money is a very small part of it but just seeing that hey my my kid wore this dress and now somebody else is going to wear it as opposed to me just throwing it it's very personally satisfying and so i think even when i had those thoughts i don't think i was thinking sustainability exactly with that word but the idea was there that i just hated throwing things in the garbage and now there is a place where somebody else actually finds value and they can with all the comfort can buy these items and use them and have fun in that buying process because when people have bought things for me they actually tell me that oh my son wore that tuxedo in a wedding and it's just amazing it just makes it so much more personal when somebody shares that how that piece of cloth got used so along with the sustainability i think these items are also getting a story built and we as a human we love positive stories so i definitely think sustainability is here to stay because it just resonates with the human kind basic nature it really does and the meaning like you said it, it extends deeper than just getting some money back right for your your clothing purchases and i wanted to just end this on a note asking you barka what you're excited about for this new decade and what are some of the things that maybe Poshmark is doing or that you're personally doing that are top of mind? A few things. Uh, first of all, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Poshmark became international this year. So we went into Canada in this June and we also went beyond just the fashion category. We launched home market. So I am looking forward for the tremendous growth in launching newer categories and also going internationally because again, the social commerce is uh, works everywhere human beings are the same people want to have fun and the personal experience in shopping so that's coming and i'm very excited about that we are also constantly just working on finding a new ways for people to create more and more engaging content at poshmark so that uh, people are engaging with each other i won't go too much into detail into what that is but that's coming out soon and i'm very excited about that we are of course continuing to invest in our uh, machine learning driven product recommendation the people matching algorithm we have long way to go and and as our community allows us to learn more and more about what they like we want to be able to use that to continue to make poshmark uh, even a more enriching experience for them we are also bringing more and more uh, Uh, personalization into our communication channels so the way people are interacting with each other or the way poshmark is interacting with our users so a lot more exciting things coming on that and and of course i mean i have spent my 5 years building this data infrastructure data infrastructure which is scaling beautifully as poshmark is going mm-hmm. uh, but it's a journey which is not going to end uh, we will just continue to build out with the goal to make sure that our community continues to get better than better experience with Poshmark over time. Me too. And I am excited, you know, expanding internationally opens 
new doors for products that might not be as available to people in certain countries. And so I'm really excited to see how that goes also with the home goods, home market that you mentioned, and just some of the other interesting stuff with engaging uh, on the seller side and the buyer side and the recommendation models. So Really great stuff. Barca Saxena, thank you. Chief Data Officer at Poshmark. Loved hearing from you today and thanks for joining. Thank you for inviting me. And one last note, this is for our listeners who represent a retailer or a brand. If you would like to join a small panel of executives at our upcoming Rethink Retail Dinner in New York City this January, that's at the same time as NRF's big show, please reach out to me at julia at rethink.industries for more information or to be considered. I encourage you to apply and note that spots are limited. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.